This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate one post at a time. This is What They Did Not Teach You in School. This episode of the podcast was recorded on May 23rd, 2018. All right. Are you live right now? Yeah, I am. Usually, do this to get fired up a little bit. A little bit of that, a little yeah. bit of touching, get our endorphins going. Yeah. All right. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. Today, we have Joey Tomaselli. Follow him at jtmoney.ca. He is a mortgage broker, and we are happy to have him on the show so that we can get the inside scoop on what's happening with mortgage rates and the entire real estate market in general, what you are seeing. It's great to have you, Thank you um, for having me. on the show. Thank you so much. So to get started a little bit, just want to ask how long you've been a mortgage broker for? I've been a mortgage broker for four years now. It's a fun job, very challenging, but I enjoy it very much. All right. Yeah. And what made you get into the industry? I just, I, I, I enjoy numbers. I enjoy helping families and you know, real estate agents have the, the fun part of showing people the homes of their dreams. I got to get them in line to get there. So I really enjoy doing that part. Okay, that's pretty good. A little bit more just about you, like in general. We want to know about you and your story. You have an Instagram account called jtmoney.ca. Yeah, yeah. Pretty informative about the real estate market and mortgages and stuff. Then you also have your own personal account, which for the longest time, the bio was a mortgage broker with a sense of humor. Absolutely. And that's actually what made me like start noticing you first and foremost. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit about like your history on social media and how you use it for your business? I use it for my business. You know, I started doing uh, obviously Joey Tomaselli way before JT Money, right? Mm -hmm. So I used it and I started coming up with mortgage tips of the day and a couple of people at the beginning were like, uh, why are you doing those videos about tips of the day? And I put a little humor in it because at the end of the day, when you're talking money with people, it's it's not a fun thing sometimes. So you got to add a little bit of humor. That's true. I, I found that it helped out a lot. And a lot of people are like, oh, what's your next tip of the day? And I would use a tip like not buying a car before you buy a home as a little funny little thing, little skip behind it. And it, it just took off from there. And then... I created JT Money because I want to kind of split it up a bit and use JT Money as strictly mortgages and Joey Tomaselli will always be there because I grew up with him. But JT Money <laughs> is going to be what I'm all about on the financial side and meeting people like you is excellent. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, okay, that's great. And so yeah, if you guys don't already, make sure you follow him, JT Money. And if you want to see his latest skits about his him and his good friend Reza, you can follow him at <laughs> Joey Tomaselli. So let's dive a little bit into mortgages and what we've been seeing over the last year. A lot of our following is either looking to buy their second rental property or dive into the market and buy their first home. Of course. Uh, and we talk about that a lot. You know, make sure you save up enough money for hidden costs. You know, what are some of the things that people save up for? You know, they have enough money for a down payment and then, oops, they realize something uh, comes about. See, before, uh, that's a great question. Last year, I would say, 
just don't buy anything before you. If you, even if you were getting married, I'd say hold off on the ring. Mm -hmm. Make sure you get your <laughs> financing. And it's I'm not even trying to be funny, but a year ago your qualifying rate was in the low twos. Now with being in the high fives, you should be getting a pre-approval before you even leave your front door. Like mm -hmm. I really believe that you shouldn't be shopping for a house. You should be sitting down with an expert like myself or anyone that you know and sit down with them and be like, hey, what can I qualify for? And you got to be really careful, careful about your, uh, your, your overhead and what your carrying cost is every month. A lot of people don't understand if you have a big line of credit, mm -hmm. a huge credit card bill every month, it's almost better to get someone to pay those off for you and then once the house closes, pay them back. Interesting. That, that is the best way. Well, definitely we've talked about this uh, substantially on the show, but in your own words, what happened in January and how does it affect your purchasing ability in today's like real estate market? January was like a slap in the face to mortgage agents and every, realtors, realtors and, and even just normal people everyone's, everyone's around the fire crying right now. Like I really <laughs> feel like that. Like I, I agree with if you don't have more than 20% down, Anthony, you should be qualified a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. But I do not like the fact that people who have a gift, whether it's from their parents or they saved, worked their butts off to put 20% down or more, they should not be qualifying higher than the individual putting 7% down. Mm. I think that really affected the game because you'll have people with decent income, great down payment, and they can't purchase the home they want no more. And I feel that was the one thing that I do not like in the changes. I agree again with if you don't put more than 19% down, maybe you shouldn't be buying a million dollar home or $900,000 home because if the payments do go up, you won't be able to afford it. So mm -hmm. I, I love what they did there. But if you own 20% of your home or more, I don't agree with you paying more of a percentage to get qualified for it. It, it doesn't make sense. And, and now people are just not able to afford the same house that they could in 2017. No, and it's funny because they take it out on myself. Like uh, at hmm. the end of the day, I'm a mortgage agent. I'm not a psychiatrist. Like I sit down with them, I help them out, and I give them tips. Like there's even little tips, Anthony. Say they, they have a car payment of $550 a month, mm -hmm. but there's only $5,000 left on the car, the vehicle itself. I would tell them, pay the $5,000 off, that four or $500 a month coming off your overhead every month True. gives you a lot more ratio buying power. Like mm. they don't understand that. Like, And that's why I'm here to educate them and be like, listen, you're a Honda Civic over here, pay it off now, then take out another line of credit again and continue making those payments that make you comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And then it's because you want to explain a little bit about how a car lease or financing affects the ratios when oh, you're applying it, for a mortgage. It definitely affects the ratios. And I'm not telling people that live in Richmond Hill that work downtown, don't get a car. It's just if you purchase something that's say $700 a month, and I'm just throwing that number out there, that is almost half of a mortgage payment. Hmm. And people, again, they don't realize that. So if your mortgage is $1,800 plus your car payment $2,500 and you make $50,000 in the bank's eyes or the monoline lenders, you won't be able in their mind to be carrying everything. And you still have maintenance costs. They also charge, well, they don't charge. I have to put $100 as hydro costs and gas. Mm -hmm. That is the norm in our world. We have to put $100. And property taxes, people don't understand. Once you add that, and I always ask people, and I, I learned in the first year of working as a mortgage agent, I would never ask for the property tax bill up front. I'd be like, yeah, what's your property tax bill? They'd say, oh, Joey, it's about 2400 
And then when I needed to get the documents, it was six thousand dollars or three thousand. And that's oh, shit. that spread makes a huge difference hmm. on your ratios. And everything's about ratios in the mortgage world. When it's, it comes to applying for a mortgage, they take a look at what your carrying costs are on your debt and what your liabilities are. So if you owe property taxes and you have a, a finance on a car and all that on a month to month basis, they factor that in on how you'll be able to actually afford the mortgage. Absolutely, and 39% and 44%, those two numbers are instilled in my mind, mm -hmm. GDS and TDS. And well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what those actually mean? Exactly what for, you just for the said. Normal, for the it, normal it, consumer, you know? It's basically what your, what can your income do to take care of everything that Anthony just said. It's your line of credit, it's your credit card debt, it's your car payment, and then there's your home costs, your ta property taxes. For some people, student lines of credit. Student lines of credits, and I feel very sorry for people with student loans, they're not paying that off right away. So mm -hmm. they're gonna have that three, $400 bill. And a lot of time, it's even funny to say this, but if they have a line of credit, Anthony, and it, their, their, their limit or their borrowing is $30,000, even though their monthly payment might be interest only, mm -hmm. the lenders want us to charge 3% of that. So they're like, well, I'm not paying $600 a month, I'm paying 180 a month, but I'm sorry, the lenders are gonna go with the 3% rule. Is that new because of uh, January's new rules? I or? wouldn't say it's new, it's been going on for a while, and I know the underwriters really well. I'm like, well, they're only paying 180, can we do it? They're like, they cannot do nothing about that. So mm. that's why I have a lot of tips for buyers I will look down at their credit bureau and sit down with them, Anthony, and give them tips. Okay, we need to get rid of this. Can you do this? It's like it's like a puzzle going into buying a home. That's that's great that you talk about that because that's a good segue to the next question that I wanted to ask. Is a lot of people usually traditionally they go to the, their local branch to go into a representative, and we talked about this last week. The skill level and the tools in a retail branch advisor's belts you know, is a lot less than the people at the brokerage level, right? So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you've seen or what the pros and cons of going into your local branch are or using an uh, independent bro a broker like yourself? It's a, that's another great question. It's, uh, I'm not saying, like, I, I work with banks. I work with 25 lenders, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna say going into your bank is terrible. I always like telling my clients, I want you to walk into your bank first and then come see me. Mm -hmm. The difference is I don't work for the banks, I work for the individual. And working for the individual, I give them a lot more different products. And a lot of people always look for the best rate, which I can't blame them. Mm -hmm. But you also want the best product. You want the best. That's a good point. So why don't you? Huge. What What do you do usually see? Like if if someone, it, the mortgages with the lowest interest rate, do they usually have less flexibility or? Another great question. See, there's a lot of lenders and that's why I kind of guide people towards those lenders that let you pay off 20% per year on your principal. Mm -hmm. And then there's people that I ask right away, okay, do you want to sell your house in the next two to three years? If they say yes, I'm not going to lock them in a five-year fix at mm -hmm. a great rate. Mm -hmm. They're going to be paying a penalty. Right. So I look for prepayment plans, which are huge double up payments, because at the end of the day, if you could chunk off as much principal in the next five years, why not? And not everyone has $15,000 lying around, but if you do, you could chunk it towards the principal. And I look for lenders that give you the option of 15 to 20% towards your principal each anniversary year. So you could what do kind of, uh, What kind of uh, lenders do that? Do you know them off Oh, I know them off We got a couple of good ones. Scotia Bank, we have First National. Like, again, I work with 25, and that's why I really sit down with them. and. 
a typical question I get every day, what's your best rate? And it's a question that I, I've heard maybe 16 million times, mm -hmm. but I, I respect it because I know if I was purchasing something half a million dollars or more, I want the best rate for it too, but you also need the best product. And there's a lot of people it's that actually, true. they go online, Anthony, oh, I saw a rate 2.29 and I tell them all glitter is not gold. And if you go online and you Google like best rate, and you read between the fine print, you're you're gonna get rocked sometimes. And I like yeah, because I've that. seen those. Like some people right now are offering some really low rates. What what are some of those fine print things that people should look out for? Penalties and mm -hmm. like the penalties are terrible. It's like I'd rather be penalties in, if they want to break the mortgage. If they want to break, if they want to do refinancing, and they want to pull money out, I'd rather be in jail in Singapore with some of these <laughs> breakage fees. They're terrible, but they don't, all they're seeing is the rate. That's all they know. Right, they right. want monthly payment. They have a budget, which I totally respect, but they don't go through the fine print. And that's why people, it is so important not to just be shopping around for the lowest rate and to have an advisor like yourself to guide you through that process. Because just because it's the lowest rate doesn't mean that it's best for the client. Absolutely. Um, so uh, as like two weeks ago, I don't know if you've been keeping up with like with this pop culture news and like of mortgages, but uh, two weeks ago, TD Bank and RBC raised their five-year fixed yes, to about like three point something in the high threes. Yep. Um, but then recently they lowered their variable rate mortgage. Yeah, I find that. So there, there's like some speculation out there. Why would they do that in your opinion? I think they're just waving the carrot and uh, it, people ask me, what should I do now, Joy? And it puts me in a tough position because I gotta, I gotta look at it like I'm buying that home too. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing now, Anthony, is they're giving you a variable option of 2.45, okay? And now the fixed rate's at 3.79. So I look at if prime goes up two, three times, by the time it goes up two, three times, they'll catch up to 3.79. Mm -hmm. But so, it would have to go up two, three times, which could take like a year or more. A year and a half. Yeah. So right now, I don't know how long that's gonna last. I would do the variable. Mm -hmm. And then they have someone like me, someone like a mortgage agent like myself, once I do the transaction, I'm not done with you. If I, see, if I get an email from one of my lenders saying rates are going up, mm -hmm. I will give them the heads up and be like, listen, call your provider, lock in right away. Yeah, because some you can lock in from a variable. Absolutely, you can't go backwards, obviously, from a fixed rate to a variable, but when you're in variable, you gotta really watch the market, right? So you gotta, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, 2.45 is a big difference from 3.79. For, so, uh, sorry, I was going to say, for the rookies out there, how do you explain to your clients the difference between fixed and variable? I keep it simple. Like, variable's great. If you ever got to break it, you pay a three-month interest penalty. Mm -hmm. Fix, I let them know. I never know what your penalty's going to be. The lenders don't know. You got to call That's them. It crazy. changes. It's a crazy calculation like the weather the bankers <laughs> don't know how to calculate. <laughs> like the weather in Toronto changes day to day. I don't have those answers. But that's why I have those questionnaires with them at the beginning, questions with them. What do you want from this home? Are you selling it? If it's a year, two years, you should be going variable. You don't need, maybe you could do a two-year fix, but you might want to leave after eight months. So variable, the payments, yes, are lower. Right now, if I was staying in five years, my advice w would be to lock up for five years. Hmm. But now with this great incentive at yeah, 2.45. Because that's what I was saying to my clients. I was like, I don't know about interest rates. It only looks like they're going in one direction. 100%. I would lock in, but then they came out with these low uh, Two weeks ago. rates, yeah. rate mortgages, and I was actually talking to this other guy, and he's like, "Like, think about it. Um, if they raise interest rates like 
they meaning the government and the banks, usually it goes up by max 0.25%, yes. right? So in order for it to catch up, it would have to go up more than a full 1%, which would take, if they did it aggressively, they do it every quarter. Yeah. So that means it would take one year and a bit in order to actually do it. And like you said, two weeks ago, I was giving variables out 2.95. Hmm. That's a big difference from 2.45. So to, to go on your point, that's two jumps now. You should start out a variable right now, but how long is that going to last? Yeah, that's that. So anybody looking to get in the next little while should maybe consider a variable. Absolutely. We'll see how long that they give that teaser rate because it could be because I've I've read some stats that are saying that uh, I've seen as high as eighty percent of people that have a mortgage are going to be renewing this summer. Oh, have you heard that? I've heard that, yeah. and uh, the lender that they're with is going to have all the power. Mm because they don't have to go through all the documentation. They don't have to see if they qualify at the new qualifying rate, but the rate might be a little bit higher. So it's almost like working for the mob and you got to do what they say sometimes. The banks always win like the that, banks, eh? they're, you know, it's funny, even all these rates, my dad is like, what is everyone complaining about high threes? Because he was, lived during the time when he, it was like 25%. He was living during you know? the medieval times when they were 19% <laughs> and he was sweating. But yes, the houses were, 70% lower, but the payments were still the same. It's mm -hmm. so funny. The banks, like you said, yeah. the house is now same house he bought, say for 250 is worth a million. The rate's two and a half percent compared to 19% at 250. It's the same cost. Right. They know what they're doing. And it's funny because there's like this old, like, yeah, Joey's Italian, I'm Italian, but European culture, when they came here from Europe or whatever the case is, they were in that environment wow. during the 70s and 80s where it was hyperinflation, so interest rates were really high because they were trying to cool the economy. So they have a very big mentality on paying off debt. Oh, right away. Right? Yeah. Older generation, they, would, they think all debt is bad, you know? Um, and we talk about that some debt is not that bad and you may not want to pay it off really fast. Yeah, you know? I, I totally Have agree. You seen, do you see that difference between older people and younger people? Oh, 100%. And you'll, you'll see uh, a lot of older people, their lines of credits, credit cards are a lot less. Mm -hmm. Younger people, like, listen, again, student loans, I, I feel sorry for them. They're, they're, they're high. Mm -hmm. 30, 40,000 on average, I see. Some they, of my friends that went to like law school, dental school, physio school, they got like Cairo school. They're getting like $200,000 lines of credit. You know, that's that's a condo almost. So, yeah. and then they want to buy a condo and that cost gets carried over and, but they need their education, they need their career. So I, I don't blame them for getting it. So it's a lot different. Our parents never had, my dad came from being a mechanic at 10 years old, running his own shop. Mm. He did, he's never stepped foot in a classroom. So. Right, right. Two different times, and you can't. It's like comparing Michael Jordan, LeBron James. I hate when people ask me. Two different eras. We can't really compare our era compared to our parents' era. It's true, so true. All right, so I want to talk a little bit for our entrepreneur following out there, and I want to do a little like two, three minutes on being an entrepreneur and some of the struggles that come with that when trying to apply for a mortgage. Yes. When you are an entrepreneur, what usually happens is, let's say even if you're lucky enough in your first five years to make $100,000 just for a clean number, usually you take that $100,000 of income, if you were an employee, that's, your gross. that's what you would yeah. claim, right? But if you're an employer, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, then you're gonna be reducing that income substantially through you know expenses and right all offs. that stuff, right? And then when you're applying for your mortgage, they have to use 
that net amount. 100%. T1 general is the scary word of the year. Yeah. So I, why don't you tell us what you find a little bit about that oh. and how now it's so difficult and what you think is going to be happening for these entrepreneurs for getting a mortgage in the future. The entrepreneurs have the toughest situation because, yes, they have their own business and you need a two-year average. Hmm. So right I feel I feel right. sorry for someone who's self-employed who's only been doing it for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. They still can't buy that home because the, the lender wants to see history. So they're going to want to see a two-year average. And what Anthony's explaining, say they made $120,000 gross, but by the time they write off their car payment, their gas, their lemonade purchases in the corner, hot dog vendors, they write off everything. And I do it myself. Yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, their drinks, their drinks, their at, Laval. drinks at Laval, <laughs> their drinks, the hockey games for their clients. You, you have to do that because it's an expense. You know, sometimes to get clients, you got to pay money to make money. And I, we know that more than anyone. Anybody. So it's harder for a self-employed person to get a, uh, a, a mortgage and they're most likely going to need a cosigner. I find with self-employed people and they want to pay less taxes. But then I tell them, listen, you're going to have to pay yourself more if you want to buy a home. So it, it's tough on them because they don't know which way to go and they got to have a good accountant on top of having a good mortgage agent. And a good financial advisor. And that's why and I a good, is here. And a good realtor. It all comes down to the fact that, you know, you could always do things on your own, but if you are not experienced, a professional will, a professional gets paid to make sure that you don't make mistakes. You, you know? need guidance. And you yeah. have to build that strong team around you of professionals in order, that's the most, you know, success that people can get, building that right team around them, you know? Like you hear about these weird stories where like MC Hammer and like Rihanna and like stuff like that that lose a shit ton of money because they had bad advice. You or know? they're carrying 50 people on their back wherever they're going. That yeah, helps That's out. true too. And another thing I want to touch up on the self-employed, you get someone like who's an electrician, works for a company. He's making $100,000 a year salary. Mm -hmm. He starts his own business and he's only been doing it for eight months. He's made more in that eight months than he did in the last year. He can't go get a mortgage because he still doesn't have the really? two-year average. Yes. Oh, I didn't know this. And you can't change industries. So if you're a hairdresser mm -hmm. and then you become a shoe shiner on the side of the street, the fact that you change in industries, you need the two years too. Hmm. So is that only for incorporated people or even for self-employed like um, uh, like sole it, it doesn't matter. You need two-year average. Hmm. They do not care. Huh. Even if you have a great history, Anthony, you're making money. You have money in the bank. They do not. They want to see two-year average. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. I always ask this at the end of every single one. I know it feels like we've only been here for five minutes, but it's probably yeah. been... 22. Wow, 22. Oh, okay, all right. So at the end of every single uh, show, I always ask the professional or person that's a guest. Right now you have an opportunity, you know, a couple thousand people will see this. And what would be, you're in the industry, mm -hmm. you're a mortgage professional, you've seen a lot probably over your years in the business. If there was one thing that you wish everybody would know, what would it be? Look right into the camera and you can say that. I would think if you're looking to purchase a home, really sit down with your significant other or yourself and prioritize your money spending habits. That is number one. If you're gonna buy a home, make sure you look at all your credit cards, line of credits, because you gotta remember the qualifying rate jumped 2%. That changed the game 110%. So if you're gonna buy furniture for your home, sit on a carpet for the first six months <laughs> till you get your mortgage, complete it. And don't go buying nothing on top of that. I see people making the biggest mistakes They'll get the pre-approval, they'll do the purchase, they close in 30 days, 
And then the lender will pull something, and I'm like, guys, what did you buy that horse and carriage for? You didn't need it. Get it after the mm. wedding, or get it at, once you move in, you turn that key, go to Wonderland and get seven season passes for all I care. Wait till you move in your house. That's all I tell people all the time. I have, I've had a lot of scares, and that's my main thing is telling people, don't not make a move, especially the way the new program is, till you're inside your new home. Thank you very much. No problem. JTMoney.ca, Joey Tomaselli. Honestly, a pleasure. Hope oh, to have you on you again. Anytime, anytime. Love having you do what you do. And thank you. Uh, Peace. My cameraman, <laughs> you for helping us out. <laughs>Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Wise Investor. Until next time. This is what they did not teach you in school. We hope to see you soon.